it's a great thing that you find meanings in everything. Um, you know, it adds a lot to your understanding of the world of other people. Um, but in the end, you've got to to look at it like this is this is life, and just survive. You do the best you can with what you have, and that's pretty much what characters in Obsidian are um, are all like. They're all broken. There is a point to me breaking every single one of them in some way, just just to show that you can. Yeah, you you're broken, but you can live broken. You can survive broken in this world that you know will eat you alive <laughs> anytime hello friends my name is steve and i'm here today with faye whose pen name is sienna frost the author of obsidian awakening faye how are you doing today I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. I know we had some some connection issues before <laughs> before we started recording today, but thank you for your patience and and uh, for coming by. No, it's um it's an honor, really. I've watched your show um quite a bit, and I'm really excited to be on it. Oh wow! You know, it always surprises me when people say that because I I wonder sometimes who watches it all. So thank you for saying that it's your first interview so i'm really excited that you accepted my invitation because uh i know it's you know i would be nervous accepting invites for for things like this so thank you for for uh, accepting my invitation hi you're welcome so i guess i guess we can start out with uh talking about obsidian awakening what can you tell us about the book um what can i tell you about the book <laughs> it's um something that took me seven years today to write i'm on book tour right now but um i've i've been writing originals all my life i've never shown anyone this is the first book that i've decided to share with the world um and it's um it's inspired by my time in in mongolia actually and you know having spent time with nomads in Mongolia and in Jordan and Egypt. Um, and I feel like it's, um, there's a really powerful message there about how they live and the spirit of nomadic people as a whole that I, I feel like this needs to be shared. Um, and it, it changed my whole life. And I, I wanted to share that experience also with my children when they're old enough to read. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So how, how long did you spend with uh, with the nomads? Um, I spent three weeks in um, in Mongolia, just going from one nomadic family to um, another, just living with them in their girls as their guests. Um, in Jordan and Egypt for a few days. Um, that was before I decided to go to Mongolia because it impressed me so much and I wanted more. Um, yeah. So... Um, I decided, you know, that's. I wanted a lot of time with them. I really want to try and live that life, see if I can survive it, and mm -hmm. and actually to understand why they they choose that. And it really surprised me because um, they were happy mm -hmm. with living in that condition, and um, they they were really proud. One of the 
things that impressed me the most was that they have nothing more than they can carry in the back of their cart and and they they stand prouder than most people I know in the city who are really rich with everything they could ever wanted. And um, yeah, and that was eye-opening in many ways. So what was it that made you want to spend time with, with those uh, those families? What what kind of convinced you to, to, to take that trip and, and spend that time with them? It, like I said, the first, my first experience was um, with Jordanian Bedouins. Um, and back then it was just me wanting to see Wadi Rum because mm. I was in, in Wadi Rum for a few days. Um, it's a beautiful setting. I love the desert. I've always loved open spaces. Um, and having stayed with them gave me um, a taste of it. Um, and I learned a lot about myself and what I can endure. Because, um, you know, it's um, there's no electricity, nothing. And I had to sleep in tents for a while. Um, it was difficult coming from the city. Um, but I learned a lot about myself. And it was addictive hmm. to, to um, you know, cross your... Um, line of comfort and realize that it's it's fine (laughs) (laughs) and and i mean the more you do that the more you um feel like your problems are really small when you come home and i feel like you know i've done something that i thought i wasn't gonna survive or that i wasn't gonna be able to um be happy about it and i was i was really happy um in wadi rum and i craved it and i said to my husband, it's like let's go to get you know real experience, and that's um that's in Mongolia, and we did a horseback um uh, tour of Mongolia from all around the country, um where we just rode from one nomadic family to another, so it was like a, as close to um, a nomadic life as possible, um yeah, and um I loved it, and that was like. The, probably one of the most relaxed time and of my life, and I was happiest having no electricity and no plumbing, not even the toilet. It was a hole in the ground. <laughs> it was it was difficult. I had no shower for you know eight days at a time. Everywhere you want to go, you have to ride really far. <laughs> um, and and yet I was happy. By the end of three weeks, I didn't have to come back to the city. I didn't need phones. I didn't need mm. internet. There was no Wi-Fi signal um, over there. It's, um, it's, it's a revelation, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it improved my life over here. When I'm back in the city, um, I'm a different person. Hmm. And when you spent time with these families, how welcoming were they to you? Just this outsider who came and wanted to spend time with them. Is that something that happens often? Um, they have, you know, the hospitality was amazing. Really, both in Jordan, Egypt, and um, Mongolia, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't go out of their ways to please you. That's what I love about them because you can feel that they're really, really proud. But um, they, 
they're um, they're okay. They're they're great with us. They really um, introduce us to their way of life, and um, yeah, I I felt welcomed in a really genuine way. It's mm. different from when you go to a hotel and then everyone's serving you, and um, that's it's like that's their job. But when you stay with nomadic families and when they take when they take you in, it's um it's really genuine hospitality. Hmm. It's it's funny that we we see um, technology and and all these you know modern lifestyles as making life easier, and it you know all, when all that's stripped away, we kind of realize that what it kind of puts things in perspective. Yeah, I mean, and you you really don't need them. <laughs> you don't re- you really don't need technology, and I think you find a lot more. Um, you can find a lot more happiness in life. And even you know easier too, when you don't have these things. It's like I, I'm not that big of a fan of technology these days. And when I travel, I try to go to these places where there are no signals or no, no electricity. And just go back to the past. Um, you learn a lot. Probably that's why I write historical fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that was really what convinced you to write this story and publish it? Was that what pushed you over the edge to, to get the, the novel out there? Yes. Yes. I feel like it's, um, it's an experience that should be shared, that not many people um, have a chance to realize what they're about. Wow. That sounds like quite an experience for, for three weeks, right? Yeah, for three weeks. Was in the Gobi Desert and um, Central Mongolia, Northern Mongolia. Um, and just you see the change in different cultures. Um, you know when you move from camp to camp. Um, I was also there during the Dam Festival. That was amazing because like they get together every year to do to have this competition, um, countrywide competition where they. Um, you do horseback riding, archery, wrestling. It's a warrior stuff. That's um, and as you move, and it's like a week long, maybe two weeks, I think. Um, event where you move when you move from camp to camp. There are different groups of people competing, and then the winners go to um, uh, Ulaanbaatar to um, to compete in this final huge Olympic ride like event. It was really cool. Oh, wow. um, yeah, uh, it's um, it's something we don't actually see anymore these days. And everyone rode their horses to um to watch. There's a parking lot for horses, not cars. <laughs> <laughs> it was really interesting, and that's um that's inspired um Diao in um in in my book actually. Yeah. Wow. So was there a reason you, you hadn't shared the, your, the previous things you've written? Was, it, was there a reason you haven't uh, wanted to share those? I've always written for myself. It doesn't, I've never wanted to be a writer. I just have stories. Um, uh, I wrote to entertain only me for a good 20 years. Um, just didn't have a reason to share. It felt pri- too private. For me, even 
just um also there was a time like i i left home i left thailand when i was about 15 um and i was in new zealand in the uk and i moved to the us so um and i was alone i i just went alone not without my, you know i was without my family and i was in a completely new country i was young i had nobody for a long time and um writing just you know kept me company and that was the only reason i i write um and back then um there was no place to share <laughs> i'm old <laughs> we didn't have internet or you know websites to share i didn't know where to sh i wouldn't know where to share um yeah and english being my second language i didn't feel like i was able to um write that well to do anything about it yes but then i started writing um when there's internet i started writing fan fiction for fun um mm. i gained a pretty large audience from um from there and that was a seven-year journey for a trilogy and that's a fanfic as well and i think that was the most um successful um writing journey i've had um to date which actually pushed me to um to start sharing my original that's that's also why because a lot of um, readers were going like you have to write original and try and publish and stuff and i yeah well let's try <laughs> so, so after after writing for so long for yourself and that keeping you company through all these all these you know the travels you've done and the times when you were by yourself and those those moments that you kind of kept you kept you going how 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 was it what was that feeling like to finally share what you what you've written and publish it was that strange I have a, a love-hate relationship with that, really, because when you put, when I put myself out there, um, there's a level like, of expectation that wasn't there when I just wrote for me. And, um, and obviously every time someone has a problem with what I write, which, you know, when you, when you share, it's gonna be bad reviews and stuff. It sort of taints that for me, because it was supposed to be my um, escape from life, my little corner, if you know what I mean. And I've sort of allowed outsiders in to ruin that private place. Um, that's the part that I really hated um, about sharing. And I and and to this day, sometimes I feel like I want to quit. I want to stop sharing um, because I I want that back. Um, yeah, but then on the other side of it, I've met so many people, um, and I've somehow helped a lot of people, especially during my fanfic time. I had a lot of fans who, um, brought to me that they're dealing with cancer, the death of their son, their husband, and that my writing was the only thing that was, you know, keep them looking forward to the next day um, wow. i talk to my readers a lot um and they've become my friends um and then i realized that there are a lot of people out there who are reading um for that to get by mm -hmm. and i and that's um that's one thing i can't let go 
that easily because I'm I feel like it it matters to a lot of people and it's and it's worth it. When someone tells you that they they read your your you know your book to keep them going, what what do you say to that? It must be such a powerful moment to have someone tell you that <laughs> that's what keeps them going. Yeah, I I it's difficult to say anything but you know thank you i'm glad it means it means as much to me to hear that and it, it does keep me going as well i let them all know that it's it's them it's the fact that they reach out to me and tell me these things that i'm still posting new chapters that i'm still coming out um with books that i'm still sharing my work at all otherwise nobody um i actually thank them in um in my book because really, um, it's because of them who has reached out and, and, and told me that they needed my stories, that other people get to see it at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't need to be a writer. I don't, I've, that has never been my dream. I have stories and I'm only sharing it because um, someone on the other side of the planet needs it loves it it makes them happy it is amazing that you can just like we are right now we're across the planet from each other and we're we're here talking about about books and writing books and yeah it's amazing how it connects everybody together and i yeah that's this connection that brings so many people I wouldn't have met otherwise um, into my life. It's, it's pretty much why I'm sharing at all. Yeah. And uh, so you, you mentioned you're working on book two. Is do you plan do you plan a series or how many books do you plan? Uh, I don't plan. <laughs> I'm a pantser. I don't plan, but I've never been able to write anything short. Um, it might it would have to be at least three books for um, the story to finish at least. Um, and I know for sure I would continue with uh, side stories of prequels. I promised everybody a prequel of my Antag. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, when he was young, before he became this conqueror, um, that's the story I really want to write. So there will be a lot of books based on this this world because I'm I'm not done. I I like being in it. I don't hmm. want to move on, but I don't have I don't plan at all. Hmm. Wow! So you just kind of you just go along for the ride, and and that's so pantser as you just go along and don't plan <laughs> ahead. Just kind of wherever it takes you. Yeah, I I don't even know the next chapter. I can hmm. tell you this. <laughs> I don't know how it will end. I have it's it's become a rule even for me that I, I don't allow myself to go that far forward because I get bored. And then a lot of pencils will tell you this because if they know what happens next, they get bored. And they don't they don't write. The book doesn't get written, and that's a, that's the same thing for me. I it it's like this. If I know something's gonna happen everything that leads from here to that feels like a chore mm. it feels like um a journey i've taken and i'm not excited about it anymore and then i don't write as well 
I've, I've actually done that. I've tried planning and then I don't write as well because the, the place where one thing leads up to another feels like work and it shows. I have to plan. So to hear that is, uh, I just can't <laughs> imagine, but it, you know, if it works for you, then that's great. Yeah. I just, it's just so weird to kind of just go with the flow like that for, for people like me, I'm, I'm weird. But. I know just, um, yeah, it's very different. I, I, I try both. It's just something, some, it works for some people. It doesn't for others, you know, it, the, the creative, the creative process is so interesting because everyone has, you know, their own way of, of kind of creating and, and telling their stories that it's really fascinating to hear everyone's different perspective on it. Yeah. And it, um, it allows you to try several things as well. I mean, I try everything. It's, it's interesting. That's, that's also one reason why I travel. Um, I like, I want to see, um, what works for somebody that, that I've never tried before, what makes someone else happy. Um, and, and try and just to try that. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I think it's, it's really important to try. Yeah, definitely. And how, how would you describe your writing style? <laughs> it's an opera. <laughs> I love opera <laughs> and I get complaints about um, run on sentence and, you know, being too dramatic at times, but I, I can't help it. I love operas. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, it's, it's gotta be somewhere along that line. Hmm. And it would, sometimes I would go on too long, too loud, <laughs> too dramatic, <laughs> but subtlety is not, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I noticed recently you, recently you mentioned that you were uh, making changes to the book, that you made changes to the book before you decided to query and, and put it. So what, what changes did you make before you started to, uh, to query for the book? It's, um, it's um, when you start to query, I, and I do my researches about, you know, what's needed and everything. And then you start hearing people tell you that, oh, a book has to open this way um, to catch their eyes because they're only reading the first five pages. Mm. And also that there is a word limit to it, which I exceeded um, anyways. Uh, but, you know, I still thought like, well, maybe I'll bring it down as much as I can. Um, and I stripped quite a few chapters off it, maybe 20, 30K um, mm. from the original, which has been posted on Wattpad um, for a year and a half or two years with really good feedbacks. And um, I, I cut back because of what people said, people who have never read my book actually, which was kind of stupid. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And then when I started getting rejections, um, I looked back and did what everyone else said they do. Oh, they come, they come back, they look at their query, they change their opening, and then they find success. So I, I tried that. I played around with that because it feels like, but it doesn't just, doesn't, deep down, it doesn't feel right for me. 
because I have a vision of how my book opens, um, which disagrees with everyone says um, out there about you know what would get to you an agent. Hmm. And I, I've changed it to a certain point where I, I'm happy with it now. But like I said on Twitter, um, if I can come up, you know, with a director's cut, I, I like to call it director's cut. <laughs> it's like an uncut <laughs> version, really. And a version I would die with, it would be different. The, hmm. Especially the opening would be different. Uh, so will, will we ever see a director's cut? Or is there other, oh, other plans to release it? I, definitely. Um, I, I promise a lot of... Um, readers that I promised myself that because that's the edition I would really I would die with um, this this I, I'm not a writer who's looking to um, make a name for myself and, and and write 20 books in my lifetime this is the one series that I feel like I'm going to write till I die <laughs> it might end up being the wheel of time long <laughs> for all I know <laughs> it, it could happen but Right now, I don't see myself writing anything else. Um, so yeah, um, this is something really important to me that in the end, I want a version that I would be happy with personally. And you mentioned uh, reader feedback. And I, I noticed that on Twitter, you had mentioned that some readers uh, told you how the quote here. Uh, so when, when readers ask you to stop putting your characters through quote, shit after shit, unquote, <laughs> they, that, or they'll stop reading. What What is your reaction to that when, when readers tell you, stop putting these characters I love through, through the ringer? Stop reading. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually say that to um to my readers, but I can tell you deep down, that's what I think. That's it. And then you have to stop reading because I write for me first and foremost and it's um it feels dishonest for me to to change my book um for a group of people um which means the rest of the readers who are in it to see where i take them um is not getting honesty from me hmm. and i and this is something that i promised all my readers that every chapter I produce is written purely out of passion that there is there is no pretension in it I don't write to fit anything you are getting um, what I want to see as a writer a hundred percent and if you can take that you can you take it if you if you can't you have to write your own book or find another. <laughs> That is, I have a line. <laughs> it's a hobby. It's not a job, and I don't. I don't need to be a writer, and I don't. I don't hold back when it's a hobby. I do that for a job. I want to do sounds, that for a yeah. hobby. It sounds freeing in a way that you can just, yeah. I think it shows. I feel like it shows because I've, I've tried. It's not like I haven't tried. I've tried to please some readers writing some filler chapters that doesn't feel natural. It, I, I can feel it from the feedbacks that um, it's not as great. And it shows that, that my passion wasn't in it. 
and I've I've proven this over maybe 20 years of posting chapter by chapter online that my journey is different because I don't post a whole book and get a review at the end. I've been on sites where I post one chapter at a time and I get a lot of feedback for every chapter. Um, and so I know um, when it works and when it doesn't. And then I compared it to my pro writing process. Like, you know, was I really in it um, when I wrote this? And 90% um, of the time, I think it shows the readers can feel it, especially when I push it and it's against what I really want to write. Or even on the time when I have a writer's blog. I mean, I don't really have them, but when I'm trying to make, um, uh, you know, the schedule, the, the, the deadline um, of updates, like on, on Wattpad right now, they, um, the algorithm wants you to update every Friday, hmm. which isn't possible sometimes because you can't produce some, some weeks you just can't write. And when I push that, it's, it's always bad work. So I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to meet any deadline. I want this book to be the best it can be. Um, no chapters are allowed to come out unless I feel 100%. So um, yeah, um, that's, that's my line. I don't push my writing. I don't change it for anyone. And then that's why I really regretted changing things when before I queried. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, to, to be able to just write what you want to write, it sounds like a, like a good setup there, especially for, for a book like this. Uh, and so you would describe, would you just, what genre would you, would you describe Obsidian Awakening in? It's really difficult because when you say fantasy, people think dragons and elves and magic. <laughs> I don't have any of those. <laughs> And when you say historical, people expect real places. So then, then there are no real places, no real races. They're all made up. Um, I, I would say historical fantasy, but I don't think it, it describes um, what I'm writing. It's really hard to put into, um, you know, to categorize it. I don't know. What do you think it is? <laughs> Uh, I, I've I've heard it described as grimdark, and I, it's it's funny. The everyone has a different opinion on what grimdark means and uh, what it means. It's you know, kind of... it's a it's a new word, and I think a lot of people confuse that with just dark, mm. and it's not quite. It will, what's grimdark to you? Um, for me, I, I when someone says grimdark, I think um realistic or i don't say really really you can't really define fantasy as being realistic but um characters that aren't one-dimensional that aren't just cardboard cutouts and um a, an experience that i'm going to be surprised with like the, there'll be deaths there'll be bad things will happen that bad things happen in in history so that's kind of what i expect to be surprised and to be i don't say shocked but I expect boundaries to be pushed. Yeah, I think um, for me, that last bit is true. Boundaries to be pushed. Because um, you can't help but see that's, that there is this comfort 
boundary to most books um, these days that writers are sort of, you know, tiptoeing around. It's like, should I cross? Should I not cross it? Um, and grimdark writers are just um, running out. <laughs> but that's reality. That's that's what realistic means um, to me. That if something bad's gonna happen, no, sometimes nobody's gonna save you. Yeah. Um, it's um, it's newspaper stuff, really. <laughs> Force um, uh, you to see reality at its worst, and and sometimes you get the best of um, humanity in the midst of that, and that's that's what I love about Grimdark. Um, yeah, I I I was so excited to have discovered that term because I've been looking for books like that without knowing what it's called. <laughs> yeah, and then I ran into that term. I started looking it up, and yeah, bingo! Like every book that falls on the Grimdark definition has me. <laughs> But I'm glad that you feel that um, my book is in in there as well because that's what I'm trying to write. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, uh, you had a good point when you said it's the you know when you looked it up what it was it was exactly what you're looking for but you didn't know what it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the way I felt too. And and you can't it, it's hard to go back to tradi- I guess you could say traditional fantasy after you know reading some some grimdark some really great grimdark stories it's hard to go back to just the kind of predictable black and white you know this character is good this character is bad they're going to fight each other and the the good character is going to win kind of thing it's it's boring i don't know it's it's once you get there it's um anything can happen Mm -hmm. anything the um the good guy turns bad the bad guy turn good and um you know evil doesn't always get defeated good is not always <laughs> gonna win yeah. and um i like that in, in the end um you always have heroes um or anti-heroes that uh that will have to survive that environment anyway and in a way i i like grimdark books because the um, it's empowering in that sense because in the end we have to live in this world that is not perfect and nothing's gonna be the way we want it to be right yeah and um you just have to accept it and then make do yeah make do and what, what are some grimdark books that you've enjoyed reading i love um atlantic for heroes mm. um Richard K. Morgan. Um, I've read that series three times for the pros. I mean, he writes with testosterone as ink. <laughs> I used to call it like, um, he has his acts like pros that it hacks you. Um, but yeah, I, I love how daring he, he is um, in that book. Cause you, it's not every day. Have you read it? I have not, it's on my shelf. Uh, yeah but i haven't uh, gotten to it yet i think that's he's probably the only fantasy um author who dares um make the main character gay (laughs) and strictly gay (laughs) (laughs) and he's not your and he's he's this typical fantasy hero that you would see but he is gay um and he goes a distance with Mm -hmm. that he um he will 
across every line and um and um yeah i think more so than than other grimdark books i know hmm. um throughout the book you will go whoa <laughs> he's going to go down with this and 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 what's amazing is that it's one of his most um popular series mm-hmm. you read it and you expect him to be burned and you know crucified on a cross somewhere. <laughs> it's that bad and um it's just very heroic to me that that he wrote that anyway you can see an author who doesn't care yeah whether um people will receive this well or not and um and i like that um yes yeah, that's, that's why i really love this the self-published and indie scene right now is because there's so many stories and authors that are just telling the stories they want to tell and they don't um you know they're just kind of going for it and you really get those boundary pushing experiences that way i think oh yeah definitely i've just gotten into indie um books like last year probably because i've always been reading traditional published and um you know but lately it just felt like everything was so predictable everything fits in this same box unless it's written by an, an author that i've admired for a long time um the new books that come out fail to meet my expectations because it, it just it fits in in the same kind of box and it's predictable all the way through um and then i find fewer and fewer reads and i had to try indie and and that's where all the differences <laughs> because they're not they're not the trad publishing um world doesn't accept those books <laughs> because they break they break out of that box and then they they're not taking risks with those and but that's that's why you find them on the indie side mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it's a huge difference um well there, there are some books out there but mo- for the most part it's all all the stuff I've really enjoyed is in the indie scene or self-published yeah. small press. And uh, I did have a couple of questions for you because I've noticed you've you've commented on this on Twitter and I wanted to pick your brain on it. So you're you're currently in Thailand and I noticed that uh, you, you've been talking about cultural differences with Western culture, uh, looking for uh, looking for meanings and things. And when I read that, uh, I realized that's always what I do. I always look for meaning in something. I always try and find uh, some, there's always something underneath that I'm looking for and just something I, I, I didn't realize that I did until I kind of reflected on, on your comment. And you also noticed that, um, that the Asian cultures tend to accept things and find peace with, with the way things are. So I wanted to, to ask you how did that ever come into play with, with crafting the story? Um, in a big way, uh, actually, because I, I feel fortunate to have um, been exposed to both types of culture. Uh, finding meanings in everything is something that I was really excited to try um, when I was in the West. Feel like, in, in a way, I, I like it because, uh, and that's one of the things that made it really hard for me to get to come back here 
um, to Thailand and actually um, get back into this way of living because nobody would talk about these things. Hmm. We um, we just move on. We we never. I I I don't get these meaningful conversations um, with people here mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> that's um, that's my that was my first culture shock after being um, being abroad for a good maybe ten ish years, and I came back. Uh, it was really hard for me to connect with people because I got used to I got used to that. But um, after another, I don't know, 20 years of being back here and going abroad again, seeing the difference over and over again, I feel like there's a good thing on both sides. Um, uh, I think sometimes in the Western world, you are too focused on, you know, finding those meanings that sometimes I see a lot of people just don't move forward at all and you just because you're concentrate on what's concentrating on why and not getting something done <laughs> and that's that's the bad side of it that i see from from this perspective whereas um, and i think that's why a lot of people could probably move on from some mental problems but never did and and I suffered that for a while as well. Um, I, I have my own insecurity issues, um, and being in the West made me sort of give myself excuses. So, oh, I'm like this because mm. my parents did this. That this happened when I was young, which doesn't do anything but give myself excuses. Um, and when I'm back here, I feel like nobody concentrates on that. Nobody cares. I was like, yeah, it's it's life. A lot of people have bad childhood. A lot of people feel like this. Why are you talking about it? You should just try and fix something. Um, and and I move past my scary um, in a way because of that mindset. Hmm. And um, I wanted to put that in the book a lot because that's something that I've learned. In the end, it's. Um, I think you will see that I do go into, um, I talk a lot about the meanings of everything, like why everyone is thinking like this, what, what happened, and this happened because of their childhood, but in the end, um, they move on. Mm. Um, and um, in the end, I think um, because the setting is um, really dark and it's a really shitty world that they live in, um, which reflects um, my side of the world, as you know, we have a lot of third world countries. I travel to a lot of those places, and in the end, um, when you're in that kind of environment, you don't have the luxury of finding meanings <laughs> of things. <laughs> you simply have to survive, no matter what. Um, and um, I feel fortunate to be able to offer um, both views. Um, in this book, that yes, you it's it's a great thing that you find meanings in everything. Um, you know, it adds a lot to your understanding of the world of other people. Um, but in the end, you've got to to look at it like this is this is life, 
and just survive. You, you do the best you can with what you have. And that's pretty much what characters in Obsidian are, um, are all like. They're all broken. There is a point to me breaking every single one of them in some way. Just, just to show that you can, yeah, you, you're broken, but you can live broken. You can survive broken in this world that, you know, will eat you alive <laughs> anytime. Um, yeah, so it is, it is a, a lot. And it's, I think it's one thing that a lot of people find that my book is different because there is this different view of one reader did say um, that they haven't seen death um, that way before because mm -hmm. most people would feel like that's the end they're afraid of it um uh and that's that's the one thing i learned from the nomads they're not afraid they are totally unafraid of death they would go into the worst situations not knowing what's gonna happen um and they would just tell me and like i asked them like aren't you afraid they're like well you can't wait for the best conditions to live. And, and especially in the worst conditions, you don't know when you're going to die. If you're just going to stay here to be safe, um, you don't get to live at all. And that's, that's how they live. They go and then they fix every problem um, one day at a time. They're not just staying there waiting for the safest, best condition you know, that the world's going to offer. Um, yeah, I, I, that's that's also um, uh, in in the book as well that I wanted to share. Well, were those was that attitude in that that worldview ever? Did it ever give you pause? And uh, was it ever? A, did you ever? Uh, was it ever concerned to connect with certain with with like the Western cultures or either side or the Asian cultures with the different types of uh, characters? Was that ever something that gave you pause and and kind of were careful about how to? Uh, represent characters no um not really that's that's the point of me writing fantasy and then made a completely made up race i um you'll see that i mix their features up a lot i would have the rush eyes with black hair white skin um blue eyes even because then you can't pick on me <laughs> which race i'm representing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I, I do that on purpose because I really want to present humanity in a way that you cannot relate them to any race. Yeah. And, you, and Because I, I hate that, you know, I, I don't, I hate discrimination, racism, and I, I feel like a lot of that um, is just, it's still people categorizing one race as one thing, another race is another, and I wanted to mix it up and just like, look, we are all humans. Um, and no matter which side you're on, we are all capable of being evil or good, um, regardless of, of their physical appearance or, or, or even their upbringing or their, the, the society they live in. Um, yeah, so I, I mix that up on purpose, and, and that's why I'm. It doesn't give me pause. I mean, I have an excuse. <laughs> like, nope, <laughs> this is not your race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for the, um, you know, for you know, with the the way that the, the characters would deal with it, with problems or with death, you know, I think that's great. That um, you know, 
that it, you have those different viewpoints in, in this kind of world. I think it's really, really unique. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad it feels that way. Um, I think it's quite, it's more common on my side of the world. Um, mm. And it's sad that a lot of Asian literature don't get out there. Um, or sometimes some things are lost in translation. And um, I really hope that I, I, you know, as someone who's lived both kinds of life and seen both views, um, that I can deliver a different perspective. Yeah, yeah definitely. So do you have any, um, oh, another thing I wanted to ask you about is more reader feedback that you had commented on. Um, so what was the most surprising, you had mentioned a, a dad and a son scene that certain people responded to and certain people didn't. And I wondered if you've gotten, what, what you found interesting in the feedback from readers reading the book. Um, it's, it's a revelation in a sense that what we react to has a lot to do with our experience and who we are. Because um, that, that scene was really clear because I got so many feedbacks from men, from male readers, um, because it's the father and son um, scene where the son actually feels intimidated by the father wanting to fill his shoes. Um, and that's something that I think women don't feel. Hmm. I don't think we feel that as much towards our mother as well. So maybe a lot of women don't feel so deeply about that scene. And then I like many male readers reach out to me and say, this made me cry. <laughs> um, it's, it's that big of a contrast. And it's a really good proof that when, that I wanted to share to other um, and new writers as well, that when you get feedbacks or or not on a scene where you feel passionate about, sometimes it's not you. I mean, to, to maybe wait a little bit for more feedback, sometimes it's, sometimes it's the readers and, and you have to accept that because we all feel differently about different things based on our experience. Some things will touch somebody more, some things will touch, will, will not feel anything at all. I've had the, the, other interesting thing is I have like seven main characters and um, I get all sorts of comments on them. Some people say, oh, I, I don't feel anything about Hashim, when I, but he is somebody's most favorite. Like I'm reading this because, because of him, because, um, you know, I relate to him. Um, and, you know, some people would say, oh, the surah is annoying. Other people would say, I love his big, his big mouth. I love how he complains about everything. It's, it's just so different. And I, I love that, actually. Um, but I could see that getting just one side of the comments could derail somebody really badly. Um, and I, I wanted to share that a lot because I'm in a position where I, I have um, a lot of comments, um, different ones that actually proves this right now. And so I wish like new authors would wait a little bit. You can't just get five feedbacks 
and then decide this is not it. Sometimes there are the wrong feedback from the wrong people. Um, and in the end, you just have to write what you're passionate about and, and somebody will, will feel that too, because you know, it comes from something you feel deeply about. Um, I think it works that way. And I've proven that point, you know, many times with these things and the feedback that I get from, from, a, from a wide variety of uh, readers. Well, it must be, what does it feel like to have someone, I mean, I guess we already talked about a little bit, but you know, someone that tells you that a scene made them cry. What does that, what does that make, what is, what goes through your mind when someone tells you that? <laughs> um, I'm happy, obviously, um, because I, but most of the time, those are the scenes that I, I nearly cry um, writing as well. Um, and I'm, and again, that, that proves my point that whenever I, whenever I feel that strongly about writing some scenes, somebody feels it too, it comes through. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I live on that, you know, that's, 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 that's how I write. If I don't feel really strongly about it, it doesn't get written until I feel it or it doesn't get written or that I, that's my indication of whether I write a scene or not. Like there is this, this scene where everybody expects me to write of Lasura going up that mountain to get the eagles, uh, the eagles, um, which I didn't write because I wasn't interested. <laughs> that was, that was just, you can tell me to write that scene and I would say I'm not interested and it's going to suck. Anyway, if I write it like that, it's going to suck. But maybe one day I will find the um, inspiration to write. Maybe I will feel excited when I'm climbing a mountain somewhere to get my eagles. Um, I might write. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the joys of being a panther, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's working. Um, yeah. Until now, I feel like it's... Um, it's working so i don't know if it's going to work out in the end but we'll have to see yeah as long as you're having fun and running yeah. really good. so we did have a, a couple of questions um let me pull these up on twitter that people submitted so uh we did have one for uh from our menace which was what is your favorite aspect to world building um I, it feels like traveling. Um, it also brings me back um, to the places I've traveled. Uh, I recall different cultures, different places. I put them together, make a new world. Um, yeah, it's it's. But I think culture is is what I um. I emphasize like you know religious um, practice the uh, um, traditions and everything that's that's my favorite part to write traditions so I travel for culture a lot and um, it's um it's really cool to see how people's um, way of thinking is shaped by um, different traditions yeah and it's fascinating to see um, new ways of looking at things that also works. 
and I want to offer that um, in my book from my travel experiences. Like, there's not just one way to do a thing that's right. I mean, and um, um, that's that's my favorite part of um, world building, offering um, traditions, new traditions, different traditions that actually clash. And I love putting one character from from this one tradition that you know that he's doing fine, and then he crosses the over the, to the other side of the desert where he feels like you know he probably hated this practice, you know, at one point. And then once you actually live in it, you find the good things about it. Um, and that's my travel experience. There are, there were many um, practices that I thought I disagree with that I could not see the good side of it at all until you actually travel, live in it, experience it, and then you see that this actually works as well. Not mm. not the way I thought it was. And that, that really opens your eyes. And that's it's fun. Um, I write different places um, uh, with completely different traditions be because of that. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's my favorite part. Yeah, culture. I think, I think uh, you know traveling because I used to do a lot of business travel, and it was only in the within the country. But even even then, you see so many. It gives you so much more perspective, just seeing all these different types of ways of living and becoming more accepting of different viewpoints and culture. Because you know, I'm in New Mexico, but if I go a few hundred miles to the east and go to Texas, it's totally it's a totally different mindset. Or if I go west to Arizona, to uh, Arizona, there's a you know. Every, so every, it's funny how in a, this a short areas people can have very different uh, perspectives and viewpoints. And I think it, it adds a lot to um, to your life. It adds a lot to my life. I found different ways of. I I hate height. I'm I have a fear of height. I still do. Um, but um, I I would trek mountains. I climb. Uh, just just to see because I mean, I'm curious it makes somebody think why does somebody enjoy going up you know hiking up the mountain just to see this one flag I mean what does that do um, but I'm curious and I suffered a lot you know hiking climbing mountains but then um, once you experience it you I was I liked certain aspects of it and um that means that I have one more way to find happiness. Mm -hmm. And if you keep doing that, you have so many ways. I can, I can travel, travel in, you know, luxury. I can do really off the beaten path. I can, you know, I, I tried diving and now I'm a diver. Mm -hmm. I, I love horseback riding. Um, yeah, and I, I didn't know that I would like trekking. I hated walking. I hate exercise. Um, I trekked the Himalayas for two weeks, mm. suffered, and then came back and realized, I yeah, I, I trek again. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> if you see my travel blog, I hate it. Um, <laughs> the moment of it, and then I came back. I trek again. I hate bugs. I used to think I, I hate bugs. Um, I'm not, I hate the forest. I'm afraid of those things. And then I pushed myself to go to, in, to sleep in the Amazon for eight days. Um, and um, now I love bugs. <laughs> I look for bugs everywhere I go. It, it adds happiness to your life if you just 
you know, open up to, to these things that you thought you hated. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It's addictive. It is. Yeah, definitely. And the, the next question we had was from Noel Zamat. He's an author of The Archer's Thread. So his question was, the first question was, how do you balance writing with life? <sighs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't have discipline. I, I'm not disciplined at all. I would, um, I would, there would be days when I go to work and I would write or work on my book and neglect my book. There are days where I neglect my kids to finish my new chapter. There are days when, you know, and every day I wake up at five to write for a few hours because that's when I get uninterrupted time. So um, it's more of, it's not finding a balance. It's finding time, sneaking, um, you know, this hobby, that I really enjoy doing. Um, it messes up things sometimes, but <laughs> I gotta live too. <laughs> but no, I don't have, it's, it's not balanced. And sometimes I have to pull myself back because this is cutting into my work time too much. But yeah, it's, it's a struggle. And uh, his second question was, why that genre? Um, I hate the real world. <laughs> I, I hate technology. I hate the water. I live in the city. I live in Bangkok. All I see is buildings and cars and, um, you know, pollution. And, um, when I escape, I want to escape somewhere different, um, in a world where nothing is the same. And I love nature. I love horses. Um, I love old clothes. To, you know, I, I write fantasy, but I don't like, I don't write modern fantasy. I do, I write only historical um, setting fantasy, but for that reason. And if anything resembles the real world a little bit, I get bored. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fantasy is probably the only um, thing I'm going to write because that's my escape. Uh, the next question was from Algie Doherty. Uh, His question was, how do you come up with your character names? <laughs> this is kind of evil. <laughs> I take it off my followers' name and my reader's name. <laughs> and I actually have a reader who is also a writer with, um, with a book of, with millions of views and a truckload of, of followers who, who happens to read my book as a fan. And I told her, um, you know, if you see any cool names, just tell me. And she's been picking up um, her reader's name <laughs> and sending to me. And I'm telling her, like, you better hope these people don't read my book because they're going to find themselves in here and get killed by accident or something. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, I, I look at my followers' name and my reader's um uh, username a lot and hmm. I pick up that. and then I got a, also got a really cool tip from uh, somebody on Twitter um, I wanted to credit this person but I don't remember um, just to take normal names and then remove the first and last letter 
Hmm. And then you have a really cool, unconventional name. Oh. Um, also, movie credits. <laughs> <laughs> I watch movie credits, and um, I note down like cool names. Um, yeah, so hmm. that's how I come up. And then, if you have a really cool name, you might find yourself in my book. <laughs> wow. It- you know, I, I never thought of it until you mentioned it, that movie credits is a perfect place to find names because there's like a thousand names in movie credits. Yeah, especially when you um, when you know what you're looking for. Like um, my uh, a lot of my characters' names are based off um, Indian names and um, you know, Eastern, Middle Eastern. So when you watch those films, um, the ending credit gives you a lot of um, real names that you you haven't heard before and you can you know play around with that like i said remove the first and last letter and the result is pretty amazing Hmm. it's a great idea it's a really (laughs) good idea that's genius uh yeah i think you know as far as using like readers names in books and you might find yourself one day in in a book yeah being in being in like the uh, acknowledgements is cool you know that's great it, it's but to be to have like a name of a character that dies terribly in a book is my goal for one day just to <laughs> it is actually mine too i mean usually when a writer kills somebody uh, they, they mean a lot i don't know to me i always tell my reader um if i if you know i care about some characters a lot you can expect them to die <laughs> 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 because not because I'm evil, it's because I like crying over characters I love, and then killing them gets me crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's a good one. So uh, we do have more questions from uh, Avalon Green, who's also an author. First one was: Are are any of your characters based on real life people, and if they are, specifically who? Um, almost all of them, uh, almost all of them. I, I write people I admire into my book. Um, Jari is my daughter, Anita. Um, she has the same temperament. Um, uh, Hashim is sort of my son. Mm. Um, and, um, my husband is Muradi. He's, he's my antag. <laughs> but um yeah and uh yeah i think uh it's the people i've met i always say um on on twitter that i interact with people to um to learn different personalities because i find them interesting especially trolls especially people who disagree with me i love them like before they block me i get as much from them as possible um <laughs> Really, I mean, they make good, they make good villains <laughs> sometimes, and they make villains. Sometimes it's surprising, especially when somebody disagrees with you and, and you hate the way they think. I want to find out. I want to find out why they think that way. Um, and and many times it really surprises you, and that allows me to write um, interesting characters. Um, I think so. All of them are based on people I've I've met. I have a swordmaster who's based off my editor. <laughs> I told him. 
<laughs> I, I met him on Twitter and he says, oh, um, he, he has a black belt in martial arts. And I'm like, oh, okay, I, I have this character. I'm going to interview you now and then you're going to be in my book. So yeah, <laughs> he is. He is there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you, you talk to me and if you have a really um, uh, strange personality, really vibrant personality, you might find yourself in my book, really. I study people. I love studying people. Uh, uh, challenge accepted. Then I'm gonna <laughs> try and get killed in one of your books. <laughs> so, the second question from uh, Avalon Green was: Do you plan on giving a happy ending to any of your characters in your novel? Yeah, I don't plan. Um, I don't plan. Even if I do, it never goes as planned. So um, I, I stop doing that and like I said um, usually when I love somebody um, in my book a lot they die <laughs> so um, you can expect people that you feel I don't care so much to live um, but I'm one of those writers who just go on until the end because I, I feel like the story hasn't ended until they die so um, the main characters, um, I tend to write until I get to that point. And for most people, death is a tragedy. Not for me. I find that, like, even things with Romeo and Juliet. I mean, you, you can't talk to me about happy endings. Because I find Romeo and Juliet, that's the, the, the happiest ever. That's as happy as ever after. That's happy ever after for me. So they die in love. Um, I mean, what's better than that <laughs> most people die alone and old in their bed um and that's that's love that's not going to be broken if you know what i mean um i i see it that way so when people say happy ending i'm saying what's a happy ending because um when a couple gets together like Murari and zara everybody wants them to live and I'm like, I, I'm not sure about that. But while, <laughs> as long as they continue living, something could mess that up. I always see the worst side of it. You, you can have a couple get married and then I and then end it there and call it a happy ending. I don't call that a happy ending. I call it a breakup coming. <laughs> there's there's, there's going to be problems and things that happens until they die. So actually my happy ending is death. It's a good death. Hmm. And that's not a happy ending for most people. <laughs> it's a very grim, dark viewpoint. <laughs> so, like I said, I don't, I don't see death as, as something to be dreaded. Really, I, I see living... Um, some um, suffering in a way and I think that's um, that's a part of the culture um, because in Buddhism you uh, you have this idea of um, life you know, living um, as answering for your sins your past sins so if you're still born in this world it means you still have sins that you have to pay off um, so that's why life is so full of suffering and you just have to go through with it one when you die and if you've done enough good things in this life you will not be born again 
It's very different from from um, the Western um, idea, um, and in that way, I see death sometimes as the end of suffering. Mm. Um, so I'm not really afraid of it in that sense. Meanwhile, I do enjoy living. Um, you, I think you can enjoy living without fearing um, death, really. But so, yeah, so it's like everybody says a happy ending and I, I write them until they die because that's happy. <laughs> that's like the end. Nothing can go wrong after this point. You know, that's that's the end. That's a true ending for everybody. If not, that's death. And nothing can go wrong after you die unless you believe in hell and in heaven. But I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah, I never, I never thought of it that way. Is you know, but yeah, it makes sense. I like that, and it, and that's uh, it is very different from the Western culture. As you know, death is, uh, you know, life is. It's like the, almost the opposite is the viewpoint. Yeah, I mean, I I I wrote a short story. Um, about this as well and this is this is a big theme in my book because i've never in all of my books because i've never seen eternal life as something to be desired i feel that it's a curse and i i've written characters um who has to suffer that eternal life and then show that the bad side of it and um and my view is that um it's it's a good thing that we know life is limited because if you are always aware that you don't have all the time in the world, you, you actually live better. And it's in that way that you appreciate um, life a lot more because it can end at any time. And I don't think that running away from, from death or not wanting to think about it is a good way to live at all. I mean, it's, I think it's better to face it as something that makes life precious because it can end. And um, yeah, most of the characters who have an eternal life in, in my story suffer a lot because they feel like nothing matters um, so much anymore because it's just going to go on like this. <laughs> and it stops bringing precious anything that cannot be taken away from you is not yeah loses its significance hmm. that's um that is my view and that's that's the theme in probably all of my books hmm. they are you are to be aware that um you know I, i've had people tell me that they're afraid to love because they don't want to lose it they don't want the heartbreak um and one of the things that my character say um you know uh, to to her son is that you have to this is one of my favorite quotes actually um that you um you have to find the courage to love things and the strength to survive losing them or else life holds very little meaning so it's um yeah it's something that has to be faced in my opinion <laughs> I like that. So it's hard to uh, transition from <laughs> from that topic, but yeah, <laughs> I, 
I, I did have a question for you because you you posted a, a picture of a of a Thai noodle dish. And it, it was a noodle dish, and I I've been just staring at, just salivating, looking at that picture of the noodles. So I wanted to ask you about it because you in in your comment it said that it has fresh yes. cow's blood. Yeah. I want to find out what 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 are those noodles called so I can so I can try them. It's called boat noodles in English. In Thai, it's called k u i t i o And what they do is they they do make this soup, this really hot soup that's poured over um, the noodle, and then they put fresh blood in it. It's um, there's there's a pork version and there's a beef version. So when it's the beef version, it's uh, fresh cow's blood. You actually see them pour like a, yeah, it's half blood, half soup. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, It's just—it's one of my favorite um, noodle Thai noodle dishes. It, it looks really. So I don't, I don't find out the name. So I, <laughs> I thought it was so scary to most Westerners because of that dark, you know, murky soup thingy. But it surprises me that a lot of people say, "I mean, yeah, I'm groaning." <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <a good thing. laughs> yeah, you—you got me with. The, I'm gonna have to find a. a Somewhere around here that that serves it. I don't. Know. It might might be tough, but I'll find somewhere that has it's, it. It's it's tough. Yeah, it's yeah. tough even in Thailand to find a good one actually, because hmm. um, you can get um, a lot of shops, uh, street side restaurants that do a bad job of it, um, and you know you get diarrhea. <laughs> oh, no. The blood has to be kept well. And the temperature has to be right because if um, the soup is too hot and you you actually overcook it, the blood clots. You know it doesn't mix like that; it separates. Um, it's it's a pretty tricky dish to make, and most people that most shops that sell it sell only this. Mm. Um, not one of those things where you will find in a restaurant that offers a lot of dishes. It's a it's a specialty. Oh wow! So I'll be careful. <laughs> It's boat noodles. Okay, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to find a place first, and then make sure it doesn't separate, and make sure I'm not gonna suffer. <laughs> and then they actually put blood in it because I, um, I, my daughter lives in Albuquerque um, mm-hmm. right now, and um, she found some boat noodles in Albuquerque, and she she was mm-hmm. there, and she was like, "This is not it." <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, uh, the soup was clear. It was made by a Thai restaurant as well, but the soup was clear, so I oh. suspect there is no blood in there because it's, it's probably hard to find fresh cow's blood over in the states, right? Unless you kill your own cow and save it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you might be able to find some here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was her experience. Um, she she craved it and she tried. It's like this is clear soup. It's, there's no blood in it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we'll have to talk have to talk after and find out what restaurant she went to so I can I can go try it out. Oh yeah, I'll ask her. Yeah. And uh, so I do have a couple more questions for you. Uh, so I, I like to. Uh, there's a couple questions I like to ask everyone. So, but this is a new one that I just added to my list. So I wanted to see see what your thought on it. So, if you were in your book, would you survive? Yes. I would be queen in no time. <laughs> I know what <laughs> I've answered this before. I know, I know who to go to. I know the dirty secrets. 
<laughs> I know what they're thinking. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, definitely. I think I will. <laughs> Give a leg up. Yeah. Accident happens, and if I have, you know, time, I think I know my world well enough to survive, and I would just go through D and. <laughs> So, uh, so the next question is, uh, if the zombie apocalypse happened today, what would be your weapon of choice? Wow. <laughs> Off the top of my mind, it's an act since I want to hack that into somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would be kind of um, fun. This is um, this is evil of me, but I don't know why. It's the off the top of my head. Honestly, it's an axe. <laughs> yeah, I think the axe is a good choice. I've you know a few people have picked that, and I think it it serves a few different purposes because you can cut wood with it. You can you can do a few, you can. It's multi-purpose, so you don't only. Chop heads off the most deadly. I mean, you don't need to do it many times to kill Hopefully something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the uh, the next question I have for you was, uh, what what was your first job? My first job. Um, well, I have a computer science degree, mm. so. My first job was programming, making websites and uh, those kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I don't even remember any code anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, I had that job for maybe a year, year or two before I, um, I left and opened my business. Hmm. And I'm in the pet supplies industry, so I have retails and, and stuff. Um, yeah, which doesn't require my knowledge of computer science at all, <laughs> or very little. Yeah. It's funny, especially other languages. You don't, you don't use it, you forget it. Yeah. Yeah. You forget it. It's 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 it hasn't never been my passion. It was just the one thing that I happened to do well, and I thought it was. I didn't know what I wanted to do, um, and it was easy for me, but my passion was in it. And with programming languages, um, if you're not passionate about it, you don't, you stop learning new languages yeah. and then you can't work in, in that field. Not like that. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to keep up. Yeah. It's hard because it evolves all the time. Oh yeah. I used to know HTML, uh, halfway decent, but I, I couldn't, I wouldn't even know where to start now. It's been too long. <laughs> It's something that you pick it up um, really quickly, though, if you have the background. Um, so I do. I, I, I when I need to code something, I I, I learn new languages these days, and I can do it. But it's not something that I would go out of my way to uh, to learn unless I need it. Hmm. Yeah, it's a whole different language. Yeah. So the uh, the next question was. Uh, do you have any favorite family food recipes? Um, family food recipes. 
like my recipes or someone else's in the family? Either one. Uh, probably my mother-in-law's every dish. She makes a really good green curry. Mm. Um, yeah. And um, I make really good Thai omelet. <laughs> that is like my signature dish. It's really basic, but for some reason, my husband says nobody reproduces my Thai omelet. <laughs> what's what's in the omelet? What what ingredients? Nothing. It's oh. um, just the way it's fried. It's deep fried um, omelet. You put a lot of oil into the pan. It's got to be heated really high. Mm. Um, and then the omelet is just seasoned with soy sauce. And, um, but it's the way you fry it. It's the, it's the heat. It's how soon you flip it over, how soon you take it out, um, that kind of thing. And it's, it's one of the things that my husband talks about a lot because it's so simple. And yet everybody's Thai omelet is different. And that's mm. not true. It's not your typical um, uh, omelet because it's deep fried and the texture changes a lot depending on um, yeah, the, the heat, the, how soon you take it out of the pan. Hmm. So, so how do you know when it's time to flip it over? Is it just a feeling or uh, it's a look. visual? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's visual. Yeah. You have to know what you're looking for. And, you know, I test the oil. You, you, you drop some into the oil. Um, have you ever seen it? I haven't. I'm gonna. It. I'm gonna. We eat I it. Haven't. Really good. It's um, probably gonna make you die sooner because of oil. All that oil, <laughs> because you can't squeeze it out in it at all. I mean, if you if you try to um, take the oil out or you know dab it with a tissue, the texture changes, mm. and it's not the same. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, if you look it up um, in the video, you'll see why. Um, but it's easy to make. You can experience, experiment with it. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to try that out. That sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and something I always try and ask all my guests, because uh, I always try and, and add new questions or find more interesting questions yeah. for people who come in and chat. Uh, if the roles were reversed and you were and you were in my position, was there a question that I should have asked? Um, that is a hard one because I think I've, I've never thought about that before. Um, I, I no, stumped you with that one. Yeah, that's really. I I don't want to answer this lightly, but um, not at the top of my head. Uh, no. Okay. Well, if you think of anything that you think would be an interesting question, let me know, and I'll add it to the list. <laughs> yeah. So it's. I think we can go on for hours. Uh, it's. It's. It was great to finally be able to to chat with you, and thank you again for accepting my invitation. And I know we had some connection issues. <laughs> But I'm glad we finally got it to work out. That works out. Yeah. yeah. So if uh, someone wants to connect with you or find out more about the book, where's the best place to find you? I think Twitter. Um, 
I check Twitter most often. My username is Sienna Frost. Um, it's it's Frost with F R S T uh, without the O. Um, yeah, and I'm there most often. I'm my DM is open um, unless you're just there to say hello, <laughs> and I don't reply to those. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm not against people um, direct messaging me if they come at me with uh, something with substance. Yeah. Hmm. Do you get a lot of strange DMs on Twitter? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, I, I feel bad for for some of you because I'm sure you get pestered with a bunch of weirdos that just, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I, mean, I find them in- interesting if they, <laughs> if they are actually weird. Um, yeah. I get a lot of just, I, I hate those um uh, hello hi pretty hello beautiful um how are you um but if you begin with those sentences i know you have nothing to talk about (laughs) 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 nothing worth my time anyway but but the the really weird people who have dm me um in the passage i replied to comment me in paragraphs um Hmm. and it's um and it's right to the point like you know i hated what you said on twitter <laughs> really? stuff like that. <laughs> yeah i disagree with this so much or um yeah i wanted to know more about what you said um in public so i'm you know or um i really felt this i i agreed with you i have something to say but i don't want to um say it out there so i'm saying it here and if you begin that way I, I find really good people really enjoyable conversations and i reply to those so, yeah uh, if you if you read my book um and you want to connect with me i love talking to my readers um yeah and you'll find that most of them have become my really good friends i've had readers visited me in thailand i I've had her in my house, in my mom's house. Oh wow! Yeah, and I, I've I've received um, gifts from readers. Um, I have, you know, we send cards, um, Christmas cards and stuff, postcards when I travel all the time. I mean, I always say like, if you are my reader, you're one of my family. You love my characters. You're, you're my, you're in my circle and. You can reach out to me anytime, talk to me about them. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. That's really, really great that you've met, been able to meet and spend time with your readers. That's that's a, that's pretty special. Yeah. I mean, in a way, we, we will talk and then we usually, when you read my book, you know who I am. Um, and they, they understand me. And mm. we have this connection, this weird connection that's, um, that I don't actually have with a lot of people in real life because we don't talk about these things much, but most of my readers who read me understand um, the way I think they appreciate it. And, and I find that I, we have this connection even though I've never met them before. I've been friends with a lot of them for like 15 years. Mm. And to date, you know, we, we still talk and I've never met them. But I mean, if they ever come here, I'd probably go meet them. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's pretty neat. Yeah. So I want to I want to thank you again for uh, coming by. It's your first interview, so I, I feel I feel uh, I feel special because you know it's 
it's always great. So th- thank you for accepting my invitation and, and taking time out of your day. I know you're really busy, so thanks for taking time out of your day to come and chat with me. Now, um, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. I mean, it's um, been an interesting talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots lot to think about. I yeah, I'm, I'm honored. I love um, talking about these things. And then, like I said, I've watched your shows before. I, I, I love your questions. Um, you know, and, and the chance to um, get to see the these authors um, answer some really deep questions that make me think a lot. Hmm. I mean, your um, interview with um, Richard Nell um, actually changed my life, really. Really? Um, yeah, because at the time I was um, in the middle of querying. I was hmm. suffering a lot. And um, I just read his book. I read his, um, you know, the story that he's never queried before. I got curious. I talked to him. Um, he showed me your, um, you guys, um, interview. I watched the whole thing, and it's, um, it was a revelation. I stopped querying then. <laughs> really? I walked, I walked away because of it. Wow. Because, because I also talked to him and I also watched um, his answers to a lot of your questions um, on here. Hmm. Um, and I'm really glad that I did because I'm, I'm a lot happier now. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. Richard yeah. is one of, he's one of a kind. He's, he is just incredible. Uh, yeah, that was, so I'm really, well, I'm glad to hear that. That's, that's like a reader telling you that they cried when they read your book. Yeah, that's, yeah, I thought I, I thought you should know, and that's why wow. um, I was really uh, honored. I feel like yeah, um, if it's you know the my first interview, if it's Steve, it's um, it's the right guy. <laughs> wow, uh, that's the that's the highest compliment. Thank you. That, that's very very kind of you to say. That means 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 a lot to me. Thank you for that. Yeah, day my day is made. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> That's yeah. yeah, I I yeah I can, yeah. Well, I'm not I'm not sure how to how this other than thank you. That's it's great to hear. So no, it's a, it's um I think it's important that that you should know. You know, I'm just one person. I probably I'm not gonna make it. You know, that big or anything. But I think it means a lot. Yeah. To someone who creates something like this, like my readers, one or two reaching out to me, it helps me, um, keeps me going. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah. you can ask, you can ask now because um, I when I was talking, I was watching your show, and uh, yeah, mm. that was the time when I announced on Twitter that I'm walking away from querying. Wow, that's great. Well. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thank you. Well, as well. That's, well, that's yeah, that's that's great. That's great to hear. Yeah, I, yeah. there's there's times when I, I think about wanting to go back in time and and uh, and do that one again because I I feel like I, you know, it was only the second one I did so I, I had done at the time. So I hope oh, I get really? another chance. Yeah, hope I get another chance to talk to him again. Well, we're we're talking about doing a few, but I, I hope I get a chance to. With them so yeah. um yeah it'd be great to to invite you to have you on and, and chat with 
the chat with us. That would be fun. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I, I actually shared that um, that video with a lot of people hmm. um, because I, I did tell them that this is, um, you should watch this. And I have a lot of friends who are writers and um, were suffering the same thing. I, I had writer, I had a writer friend who has an agent and decided to walk away. Hmm. Um, yeah, uh, for a good reason. Yeah, and then um, I, I she was uh, conflicted about it still, and I said like, I shared these videos with a lot of people. Yeah. Wow. With that video, in particular, I was like, look, look, look at it from this perspective. Too here's a guy who was never queried in his hmm. life, and he's made it. <laughs> wow. and it's, it's a totally different view of, of because you, you're, you're among people who feel like that's the only thing to do you write something you have to clear you that's like the ultimate goal and I'm uh, just, just that top has opened my eye no it's not the ultimate goal it's not the only goal for um, a writer to do you don't have to go that way there are different ways of, of doing this um, and here's someone who's done it hmm. for these reasons wow. it actually helps a lot of people hmm. I, had, I had no idea <laughs> wow oh, that's great that's great to hear wow okay. I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to fit through the door when i walk out of the room anymore so <laughs> Um, yeah, and I, yeah, I thought these. Wow, that's great. Wow. So thank you again for the very kind words and, and uh, yeah, that that it you know sometimes you like you said it's it's good to hear feedback and kind of keeps you going. So yeah, yeah, that means a lot. So oh, thank you I again, hope. and yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. No, I just yeah, I hope you keep. Okay doing this because it does it does make a difference um, to someone yeah sometimes they just don't tell you about it that's all yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah yeah it's good to hear uh feedback so but i will uh i will put all the links uh, all the stuff we talked about down below your uh your twitter link and and the link of course to buy the book on amazon go pick it up and give it a read and uh and check it out thank you so thanks again. I know I know you're really busy. You have your hands full with, with your business and with work and with uh, family and of course writing the second book. So thanks for taking the time to to talk to me. Okay. Thank you. Thanks again. <laughs>